welcome everyone to this week's Citizens Climate Training Program. It's a weekly webinar of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL volunteers like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'll be your host tonight, Brett Cease, and tonight we're going to jump into end-of-the-year media opportunities for us as CCL volunteers and general climate advocates. We're going to be joined by CCL's communication staff for a training that's going to provide a review of important end-of-year media opportunities including CCL's letter to the editor topics and op-ed templates resources. During the call tonight, we're going to invite you to share your proudest media successes of the year. Looking around the room, there's a lot of them, so get those teed up. And we'll also have the chance to cover our latest resources and opportunities to hear how we can end the year strong and amplifying and pulling that media lever across the country coordinatingly. We'll also hear from Susan Atkinson, a Colorado from a CCLer from Colorado with an incredible success rate of pitching and publishing op-eds. What is her secret? That's the hook tonight to keep you to the second half. Susan's going to share how she generates ideas and valuable tips for making it to print and building relationships with local opinion editors. We are really looking forward to that. For those just tuning in, you can follow along with us on the slides I just dropped a link to in the chat. And with that, I'm just going to introduce our speakers, my CCL's Senior Director of Communications, Flannery Winchester, who supports and trains volunteers to publish written media pieces in local media, appear on TV and radio, as well as pitching national media and managing our blog. We are so glad that you are here tonight, Flannery. We are also joined by Charlotte, CCL State, and Charlotte Ward, CCL's State and Local Media Coordinator. As a state and local media coordinator for CCL, Charlotte provides the amazing support that you've all come to expect as media managers, as well as the amazing training for local media outreach throughout the US. We are so glad that you are here tonight, Charlotte. And with the indomitable duo of Charlotte and Flannery is the amazing Sam Johnstone. Samantha is CCL's communications intern and a majoring in environment and sustainability and communications at Cornell University. We are really looking forward to having you join us here tonight as well, Sam. And if we've done our job well, we are going to provide the following three agenda items and then a chance for you to ask questions. First, some introductions and success review of the year. Second, a review of resources and updates that have been made lately to those resources we've discussed. And then thirdly, a chance to have Q&A with the amazing Susan Atkinson. Thank you, Brett. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. So um, we wanted to start tonight by hearing about your successes. So, so many of you are really active in your media work. So maybe write in the chat for us or give us a wave and tell us about your successes. What have you had published recently? What have you been proud of this year? What's been your big moment? So let us know. Who wants to go first? I'm, I'm with the uh, the Rhode Island chapter. You know, we've got one chapter for the state and um, our, the, the, one of the big um, newspapers that publishes that that publishes throughout the state is the Providence Journal. And, and we got um, an op-ed piece um, that's going to be published this Sunday. And it's about um, big wires. Great. That's wonderful. Well, make sure you share it with us. We want to see that when that when that comes out. Okay. okay. I see Christy, your hand up. Yes, I'm from Bellevue, Washington, and I offer a little my own LTE workshop. And we had an article that they could read beforehand. Some didn't even read it. So they got started on the articles or the LTEs at the meeting. And we had three out of the four were published in the Seattle Times. So that worked out very well. 
Hi, everybody. So I'm in Montana, and I think the proudest thing that we did this year was we partnered with two conservative organizations, Republic EN and American Conservation Coalition, and the three you know, representatives, including myself from those organizations, and I wrote an op-ed that got published in um, Eastern Montana, which is very conservative neck of the woods, and uh, it was just really satisfying. Um, we talked about how conservatives care about climate change. And then last night we had a letter to the a holiday letter to the editor writing party and two new volunteers in Montana showed up and in 20 minutes, four people wrote letters to the editor, which was remarkable to me. So that was a lot of fun. So I've been really branching out into op-eds and so the most recent article was published in the Chicago Tribune and I, um, uh, like Alex, it was um, focused uh, on conservative audiences, and I really feel like those are the audience that I need to address and uh, speak to. And um, so what I didn't know is that if you're published in one of the top 10 papers in the country, then the Associated Press pulls from the top 10 their content. And then because it was in the Chicago Tribune, then it got published in several other papers across the country that I never even submitted it to. And um, so I was thrilled that it had that kind of compounding uh, exposure. Thanks. Um, let's see, I, I had LTEs in the Baltimore Sun and the Philadelphia Inquirer recently. Um, and and then I have one that should be in the Washington Post at sometime in the next week. Uh, but I'm I'm also working with some college students in Virginia, and I think it's probably more important for for us to, you know, get a situation where they try their hand at it, and you know maybe make it a regular thing with their work. Yeah, so we have over time developed a really good relationship with our local newspaper, which is a weekly, but which uh, everybody reads. And um, we now do two columns a month for that newspaper. One is called Climate Dispatches, where we'll uh, talk about, you know, any various kinds of climate topics. Um, often written by people in the community, sometimes written by our members. And then we have a second column called Climate Profiles. And each month we um, profile somebody um, whose life has been um, influenced by climate change or addressing climate change. And sometimes they're ordinary citizens, sometimes they're community leaders. Um, we also have had a lot of um, success in using your templates, so thank you very much. Um, the one that came out not so long ago, um, urging Congress to take climate action, um, mentioned the Climate Solutions Caucus, so we customized it by adding a rather long paragraph about our member of Congress and how when he was elected, he wanted to um, act in a bipartisan way, so we brought that up and uh, urged him to join the Climate Solutions Caucus. Our um, congressional liaison forwarded that 
to his office, to his chief of staff, staff with whom we had a good meeting in June. And 10 days later, he announced that he was joining the Climate Solutions Caucus. So we were really pleased with mm -hmm. that. We also have had, we have, have a youth group, the Tahoe Youth Action Team affiliated with our chapter. And we've had great success in those kids getting um, op-eds published in our local newspaper. Yeah, um, our Salt Lake City chapter has had over 40 publications during the year, LTEs and op-eds. And certainly that doesn't include the letters that are published in our other chapters. But I think what I've really enjoyed about our writers group is just the connections that we make and laughing together and um, just really enjoying and supporting each other. That's wonderful. Thanks, Karen. All right. Well, um, I'm going to pass over to Flannery and she's going to tell you a little bit about um, the lay of the land as we come up to the end of the year. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, and thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. So um, since this is our last media focused support call of the year, I wanted to start by just zooming out a bit and sharing some stats. Um, so, so far for 2023, CCL volunteers, including most of you, I'm sure, have published 1,224 letters to the editor, 417 op-eds, and have generated 166 pieces of news coverage. So that's articles, TV spots, radio interviews. Um, so those are the major media areas that we put focus on this year. And um, so it's just wonderful to see you guys out there making such a huge impact. Um, and I wanted to show some examples of just exactly how that looks when you get out there and, and make things happen. Um, and I wanted to use <clears throat> this year's summer conference and lobbying as an example. So I'm gonna share my screen um, and just show you a couple of highlights here. Um, so there was a, um, this is all related to the summer conference. This, all of this popped up in a, in a span of probably, um, uh, you know, two to three weeks. So, <clears throat> Um, there was this TV segment in Montana, local representatives to meet with Montana congressional delegation on climate change. So this was a, um, a TV spot. And um, also in Montana, uh, so shout out Alex, the Valley Journal newspaper also picked up the Montana volunteers press release. So you can see that they've run the um, the uh, press release that they put out and they're quoting Robin, a local group leader. Um, here we have a fabulous article. Um, this was coverage in a Georgia newspaper, Forsyth County News. Uh, young people are seriously worried about our future. Why this local group went to Washington to discuss climate change. And there's our snazzy uh, annual lobbying photo right there at the top of the article. Um, this is a letter to the editor from uh, published in Illinois since the Chicago Sun-Times. Everyday citizens are ready to lobby Congress for climate change. So um, again, all, all of this was around the conference. Um, <clears throat> this is an interesting piece. In North Carolina, a meteorologist published th this piece about rising carbon levels, and she tied in quotes and lobby day photos from the CCL chapter in Charlotte. So you can see this is further down in the article. Um, she says, uh, this weekend, 850 volunteers from every corner of the political spectrum met in Washington, D.C. to talk about these climate policy solutions. Five volunteers from the Charlotte area took the trip on their own dime to meet with representatives about climate policy. So that was a really cool connection and a uh, 
relationship with a meteorologist that led to some coverage. Um, this is a public radio station <clears throat> in Virginia that featured some of our um, campus leaders, our student volunteers from the College of William and Mary. So they were discussing their trip to DC and their meetings on the Hill. And last we have, uh, there were op-eds of course, all around the country. Um, and this is just one example from a Georgia CCL volunteer named Gage Bailey, who um, shared his experience and called for more bipartisan climate work. Um, he had one quote in there that, that stuck out to me where he said, we are one people, one country, and we have the same crisis staring us in the face. Um, so that is just a little snippet of the incredible uh, work that you guys have been out there in the field doing um, all year long. It's just, uh, I just, I hope that those highlights show you just a little slice of how how fantastic you are at getting the word out in media um, and really pushing our message out there in every way that you can. So now uh, let's start to think a bit about what's coming up next year. So 2024 uh, is the last year of the 118th Congress, the second year, and uh, power is still split between the parties. So Republicans control the House, Democrats control the Senate, um, both have slim majorities. And so far this Congress, we've seen that configuration lead to some encouraging bipartisan collaboration. Um, so we're in a good position to continue to build support for, for bipartisan policy in our major advocacy areas. So carbon pricing, clean energy permitting reform, healthy forests, and building like uh, electrification and efficiency. <clears throat> it's also important to note uh, that 2024 is an election year. So, and it's a presidential election year. So that's, it's gonna get the, the biggest attention and turnout that any election does. Um, that means that Congress is gonna focus on campaigning between August and election day uh, in early November. So not much legislating is gonna happen during that period. So with that in mind, um, we can plan to use media opportunities to push for climate policy progress at appropriate times earlier and later in the year. And we can also use campaign season as its own opportunity to bump climate higher on every lawmaker, every candidate's priority list. Um, the other thing is that the overall political atmosphere is gonna feel even more partisan as campaign season ramps up throughout the year. And so that means that our respectful nonpartisan messaging and our media efforts is especially vital. Thanks, Flannery. Okay, so um, I appreciate that this is a busy time of year, but if you do have a little bit of time to do some media work, we do have some suggestions for you as we as we come up to um, the end of the year. So this is a great time of year to reflect on your gratitude that climate change is being addressed with solutions that can move us toward the clean energy future we need. Um, so we obviously know we need more, but a lot of progress has been made so we can acknowledge that progress and then we can also talk about how more work is needed we've seen a really intense year of of climate extremes so um the one silver lining with that is that climate change is much more on people's radars so there's a lot more people we can influence and get on board to fight this fight with us so any letters that you can write about reflecting on the year and your gratitude, um, your hopes for 2024 and how you would like to see elected officials take action that meets the moment, then that would be really wonderful. I think we have a good chance of getting those letters published. Um, then 
if you want a little bit of help with writing LTEs, we do have a monthly letter writing Zoom party that we do. So this is an opportunity for anyone all across the nation. That's the fun of it. We get people from everywhere. They can come to our letter writing Zoom party. It's at 6.30 um, on the second Tuesday of each month. So that's December 12th this month. You can come along. We do a really quick six minute training on how to write a letter to the editor. Then we give you focused time during the session. So 20 minutes. So I think um, it was Alex perhaps earlier who was talking about people writing letters in 20 minutes, that it is possible. So um, if you if you need a little bit of help or you have volunteers that you're working with who need help, just send them to this LTE party. It's really nice. And then at the end, we all share how we get on and anyone who wants to read can read. So the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I am actually going to share my screen for this, is our op-ed templates that we have. Those were mentioned a little bit earlier today. This is something we do. We create a template that you can personalize to where you live. And it saves you a lot of time from having to write perhaps like 650 words for an op-ed template. We've kind of put a draft together. You can add your own personal touches in, you can edit it as you like, and you can submit it to a local paper. So what I've done this week is I've gone through all our op-eds and I've updated them. So they kind of have that end of year, new year theme about them. So I'm going to quickly um, go through those with you on my screen so you can see. So the first one, is the title is Climate Action Brought Investment and Jobs to State. You can put your state in this year. Let's keep that progress going in 2024. So some of you may have already submitted this op-ed, but for those of you who haven't, um, we just gave this a nice end of year tweak so you can talk about um, how like the clean energy transition is already improving the local economy in your state. I know some states have had this more than others. My state, South Carolina, has done really well out of the Inflation Reduction Act. So this is the perfect kind of op-ed that I could submit in my state. And you see there we mention this year. You can add in the details and you can tailor it the way you like. And then the next one is energy alternatives will provide Americans, will protect Americans from blackouts in 2024. So again, we've kind of gone for this as we reflect on a year of unprecedented weather events, we must move into the new year embracing our diverse mix of power options to protect Americans from blackouts and climate extremes. So the theme of this really is talking about how having that diverse mix with renewables, clean energy, and it actually really helps people. It helps them um, in blackout situations because there isn't so much of a strain on the grid. And it um, also, goes into big wires, which is a bill that we've been supporting this year. So there's that option for you. The next one is, this was mentioned earlier, the Congress, we have a problem. So I've just tweaked that to say, make 2024 the year you solve it. And again, this is just reflecting on the shocking year of extremes we've had. You can put in personal details for your region and you can just really make that call to action to your member of Congress that they need to to really like hit the ground running in 2024. And then this was one that we have for conservatives in our chapters. So it's so important to get those conservative voices out there. And we put this op-ed together really in a response to the Republican debates, which have had very little discussion about climate change and some 
some denial of climate change, some some positivity too, but um, it, it could definitely be better. So having those conservative voices in your chapter, author an op-ed like this is really, really helpful because it shows it emphasizes how much this is an everybody issue. It's not it's not a liberal issue. It's it's a conservative issue as well. It's an everybody issue. So if you have um, conservatives in your chapter or you are conservative, this might be one for you. And then lastly, this is a health op-ed that we worked on with members of the health action team. This is really, again, reflecting on the year they the health worker who authors this op-ed can put in their personal story at the beginning and then tailor it to their state. So hopefully this really hits home with people. You know, we all we all want to have good health and climate change does um, make us more um, susceptible to problems. So um, I think that one's a good one if you do have health workers in your chapter. Um, and then my last point I wanted to make to you was that as we are um, looking ahead to 2024, just think about your local media list. Be aware of who um, your local congressional and climate reporters are, who is reporting on energy, who is reporting on, on government. So knowing those things and getting that list together during quieter times of the year is really going to help you moving forward so as as like pace picks up with congress next year if you have that list or already together or you've refreshed your list you're going to be ready to go as soon as you need to to um be spurred into action right. so susan atkinson lives in durango in colorado and has been a volunteer with ccl for eight years Susan volunteers for CCL in between her busy schedule as a hairstylist. She initially learned to write LTEs at a CCL workshop and developed her skill to become a talented writer. Op-eds are her passion. Susan often gives local LTE classes to environmental groups, local and state CCL chapters and colleges. And to date, Susan has had 26 op-eds and 78 LTEs published about climate solutions, which I think is just phenomenal. So here are a few of Susan's headlines for her op-eds she's had published. You can see there, I just put some of them on that slide. There are many more. And what I wanted to do tonight was just talk about how Susan kind of does this, how she thinks about her ideas and, and how she comes up with these very original, clever ways to um, get climate into the local paper. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is how she kind of encourages curiosity. So we know that it's kind of a human thing to just be like, if you just get a little snippet of something, you want to know more. So this is something that Susan has done here with this op-ed. She's she's encouraging that curiosity by asking what makes a smart climate solution as you and as you can see she kind of digs into it she she starts to talk about it she has the different headlines with the with the um more details about the solutions and she weaves in um different smart solutions as she writes it so i thought that was just a really great way to go about writing an op-ed um, the other thing she does is she thinks of a clever theme. So this was Susan's theme for Halloween this year. She pitched this, the good, the bad, the scary of climate change. And I've condensed it here, but it was a full op-ed. 
and you can see she's this is like really clever the way she's she's gone from the good you know we've actually had a good year in terms of policy the bad the the clock is ticking and the scary um that we need to to get this um collaboration between the parties at a time when obviously there's a lot of division so um that was just really awesome and of course when she pitched it the opinion editors loved it so the next thing that she really thinks about and she did mention this earlier in the call when she was talking about her success that that you need to think about what audience you want to reach so um we we don't want to I say in England, preach to the choir. I know you say sing to the choir, I think is the, is the American version of it. Anyway, you know what I mean. So we can we can sing to the choir as much as we like um, in terms of saying how worried we are. And we a lot of people will agree with us, but the people we need to reach, we do need everyone in this fight. So we need to, to reach more conservative voices. And this is something that Susan has really, really thought about. She's researched um, conservative opinions on climate change, and she's she's taken this subject and written this really great piece where she she mentions different Republicans and what they've said about climate change, and she makes the case all the way through this piece about why it is it's such an important issue, how it's a conservative issue and how we need more conservatives at the climate solutions table. So that was really, really cool. Uh, well, first off, I want to say that um, I'm inspired by many of what you all have shared about your year successes. Um, it somehow is comforting to me to know that there's other people like me out there doing what I'm doing. And also, um, um, just kudos to both Flannery and Charlotte for uh, being like cheerleaders, setting up a structure for us to be successful and um, and celebrate with us, encourage us. Um, I am. Um, I think that is absolutely the approach that works the best, and so I want to thank you. Um, so to answer your question, how, uh, how do I? Um, come up with ideas? Is Was that your question? Sometimes they just come to me. I try to figure how is a, is uh, how can I approach this on an angle that I haven't already approached it before? And um, sometimes it's reading a CCL um, weekly blog. Sometimes it's reading um, a climate change book. I'm a pretty avid reader because I, I, uh, I, I like educating myself so I can speak from um, a broad base of knowledge about climate change. Um, and sometimes it just comes up in discussions. You know, I'm a hairstylist, so I have discussions throughout my day with clients and about climate change, and I often bring the subject up. And so, um, I like what you said about um, look thinking about what audience you're going to talk to, um, and tailoring that. And it's just been in the last really four months that I've really focused on conservatives. And I I am not a conservative myself, but I study what phrasing they like, what their values are, so that I can speak to their values. And I quote their legislators. So I, I want to quote people of notoriety 
that the names that others will recognize. Um, so I don't consider myself an authority, but I certainly can elevate the voices of people who do have authority and um, have that notoriety. And I feel like that's part of my job as a writer is to um, get their um, voices of people who I think have got it right that are conservatives and get those voices out there because they're not um, heard well. I don't think that the, the the press publishes them to the degree I'd like to see them published. That's great. Yeah, that, thank you, Susan. So your op-eds really go beyond opinion in some ways because you add in quotes and almost original reporting. So why do you why do you take that approach? By the way, sometimes I do read the op-ed templates and sometimes I'll um, use some of that as inspiration. All right, so you, it's almost like you approach it like an article. So I have a background as a journalist. So if I'm writing an article, I will go and research it and pull quotes from places and do like some original reporting. And yours isn't just opinion. There's like original reporting in what you do as well. So... Um, yeah. I think that's that's part of the reason why you're so successful because I think the the opinion desks see that and they they find it really professional and really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I want to substantiate the points that I'm making. Like one of your templates was talking about the number of jobs created um, from the progress we've made so far in clean energy transition. So um, those kinds, you know. I know that statistics alone, there is no way they will convince an audience that we need personal stories mixed in, uh, but statistics are important too. So I don't, I, I use them lightly. I don't um, overwhelm audiences with statistics, but they substantiate the point I'm making. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what are your best tips for submitting to papers? Because you, you've done a lot of this. Um, I'd like to make a um, distinction between small papers and big papers. So I live in a small town. I can write an op-ed and submit it to four, the same op-ed and get it published in four to five different newspapers because they don't require it to be an exclusive. Um, if you're working with large papers, they absolutely require it to be a, um, exclusive. So I keep in mind the audience I'm talking to, the legislator I'm referring to, and whether I'm gonna be submitting it to a large paper or a small paper. Um, but you can get a lot of mileage out of one op-ed by getting it published in a lot of small papers or in one large paper and then getting it later in small papers. So I, uh, I use a shotgun approach is what I call it. And so I'll write a, uh, sometimes I'll actually write a piece that addresses something that's happening in Montana. And I'll quote Montana legislators or in Maine. And I know CCL uh, recommends that you stay local. Um, I have not followed that advice. So um, uh, there are part of me that wants to say, don't listen to what I'm saying because um, <laughs> Well, we, I, we, I we, we, we do have a, the thing is, Susan, you live in Colorado where you have a very 
climate friendly senator so like I feel like you get a bit of a free pass but the rest of us live in states where there's still a lot of work to be done in our own states and our power is as constituents so um we do understand but yeah that is our general advice is you know your power to write is where you are because you're a constituent and you want to influence your member of congress right right uh but sometimes i'll write an article that is more general based not specific and then i'll just send it out to 20 different newspapers and see who see, see who responds and go from there and um and if they need an exclusive, it's usually the first paper that says, I want this. And then I'll say, okay, you got it. And then uh, and then I don't give uh, authorization for any other paper to submit, to, to publish. And you, um, you withhold your bio, don't you, to make sure that they don't quite have everything. <laughs> So that's how you ensure that they just don't print it. So I thought that was really interesting when you told me that. Yeah. So if they respond and say, I'm interested, uh, uh, can I get your bio? Then I know, okay, I'm now not going to give my bio to any other paper because this one's going to print. And relationships are key. How do you keep up that relationship with these opinion editors once you've, you've you've actually started the process and you've, you, you're getting somewhere with them? Yeah, that's good. Good question. So once I get published in a paper, it's, I think it's a little easier to get published the second time because they are familiar with you. Um, and the, the last paper I did this with, I was so excited that it worked so well. So I, I, I like to write a thank you note to the, um, a, a thank you email to the, uh, opinion editor um, after I'm published, right after I'm published. And so um, along with me saying thank you, I use that opportunity to pitch uh, two new ideas for future stories. And um, um, it, it's been successful in doing it that way is to, oh, by the way. Um, and uh, so I, I was thrilled that that worked. And um, it's obvious that you're very um, persistent. How, what what other advice do you have? Because it can be quite frustrating if you don't always hear back from editors. How do you I, keep motivated? Yeah, my assumption is that I won't ever hear back from editors. And in fact, I don't. Rarely, the only time I ever, well, once in a great while, an editor will uh, respond and say, no, we're not interested. We're not going to use this. But most of them, just nothing. It goes into a black hole. And uh, so um, I just don't get discouraged because I don't feel like that's not a, um, huh, that would be a luxury to, you know, climate change is way too important to get discouraged about. And I, uh, I'm, I don't come from a background I'm writing. So when, you know, if I've submitted, when I was, um, I had some letters to the editor published in USA Today, and I would say that for every, I've had three published in USA Today, and for every one that got published, I probably submitted 50 letters. So I, 
but you know what 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 am i gonna lose i'm just here anyway i'm it's not like i spent money su submitting these so i spent my time and it is my passion and my uh where i want to put my free time and it's worth it for that one time when I do get published. And the other thing I will say is that um, even if I never get published with that editor, I feel like even if they read five lines of my op-ed or my letter to the editor, um, I had an opportunity to influence that editor. And perhaps somewhere down the road, someone else will get published because They've now been receiving so many articles about climate change. So um, in some small way, I uh, assure myself that I have influenced an editor. And they are important people to influence. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, Susan. We're really grateful you. to you being here. You've inspired us all tonight. We, we are almost at the end of our call. I feel like that just went so fast this evening. And um, I just wanted to give, give everyone a reminder to fill out your media reports, your action tracker reports um, as thoroughly as possible. Please include text and links and um, then we get to see all the wonderful work you do. And lastly, you don't need to be a media manager to get our resources. So anyone in your chapter who enjoys writing or media work can be on the email list. So your group leader can mark you as a media manager on the roster or anyone as a media manager on the roster, or you can just email me. So just email me and I'm quite happy to add anyone to our media manager list. Um, the more the merrier. And uh, with that, I'm gonna hand over to Brett. Excellent. And I think I speak for all of us tonight that you have developed quite the fan club, Susan. So thank you again for sharing your successes and your approach. Afterwards, if you have any questions, uh, Charlotte's generously put her email here, as well as a link to our forums. It's just simply cclusa.org forward slash forums. You can ask anything there and we'll write you to the right spot if you're looking for that. So with that though, um, I think we've reviewed everything here again as a little reminder for the action tracker. We are at the top of the hour. So again, we hope that you found tonight's training useful and empowering. We are so grateful for all of you and making the magic that you have in your chapters work. And I'm just gonna unmute all lines so that we can say thank you to Susan and Charlotte and Flannery and Sam as we all sign off for tonight. Thanks again for being here, everyone. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.